Welcome to the High on Life podcast, where it's all about empowering you with the medicine and the mindset to healthfully lose weight and thrive beyond the scale. I'm your host, Dr. Sasha High. This podcast contains general educational information on weight loss and beyond. Remember that while I'm a doctor, I'm not your doctor. So be sure to seek medical support from a qualified health professional. This is episode 53 of the High on Life podcast called How to Stop Overeating. I recorded this podcast and then edited it, and now I'm re-recording it. So this is a second run through because the topic of overeating is a really delicate one, and I want to ensure that it's handled with sensitivity and compassion. So let me start by clarifying that overeating and obesity are not the same thing. But overeating and obesity commonly overlap. Obesity is a chronic medical condition. There are many factors that lead to the development of obesity, including genetics and environment and medications that you take and mental health and childhood trauma, hormones, and behaviors. Obesity itself actually drives overeating. And overeating is a behavior. And overeating, when repeated over many years, drives weight gain and obesity. So I'm making this distinction because overeating is certainly not the sole cause of obesity. Obesity is much more complex. And at the same time, overeating is commonly involved in the development of obesity. And therefore, I believe it's important that we address it, that we we don't blame, we don't shame but we take ownership and then find effective solutions for it, okay? Now, I don't want you to get antsy that I'm gonna give you the typical calories in, calories out mantra, so hear me out. What I'm gonna explain on this episode is that overeating is not a broken willpower issue. It is certainly not your fault, and I'm going to give actionable strategies to help you beyond calorie counting. Overeating simply means taking in more than your body needs for nourishment. How much each individual needs to sustain their body's energy expenditure requirements is going to vary. I think many people don't identify themselves as overeaters because most people think overeating is binging, right? Or at the very least, it's out-of-control eating. Or they have some very negative views of it, like, Overeating is a character flaw because it's gluttony. That's a sin, right? So I'm not an overeater. Now, overeating may be binging where you feel out of control and you're eating past full, you're uncomfortable, and you just can't stop. And it's a a mental health diagnosis. But sometimes overeating is just mindless snacking that's happening in front of the TV after your kids are asleep because you're kind of in autopilot de-stress mode. Or it's having a few too many bites at dinner you're not really paying attention to whether you're full or not because most of us are distracted while we're eating and you just have a habit of finishing your plate, right? Like that's very common. I include myself in this. Or it's serving yourself a portion size that is beyond what your body actually needs for fuel because your brain thinks you need it, right? Your, your brain has some conditioned thinking about how much food you need, but it's not really what your body needs. The reality is most of us are overeaters. We're conditioned to be overeaters. Our culture creates overeaters. And our brains have been hijacked by our North American food environment so that we overeat. 
On top of that, some people have a genetic makeup that leads to an increase in appetite that then causes overeating. Now, overeating on one occasion does not cause weight gain. It's not a problem, right? Body weight is a function of thousands of feeding events over a lifetime. And so if we want to lose weight, then it's important to understand what is causing overeating and then address that. There are, you know, hormonal and metabolic changes that happen in the disease of obesity that drive a person to continue intaking more food than they need. And that's why many in the obesity medicine community have started saying it is obesity that drives overeating and not overeating that drives obesity. I think anytime we try to make it really black and white like that, we miss the nuance because realistically there's gray, right? Yes, obesity may drive overeating, but I think we can take some personal ownership and responsibility and say that there is a behavioral component that we don't blame ourselves for or judge ourselves for, but I believe that we can be empowered to make some choices towards our best health. At the most basic level, obesity is a problem of taking too much food in and not expending enough energy. That is the law of thermodynamics, right? Energy cannot be created or destroyed, only transformed from one form to another. So if you have excess energy on the body in the form of fat, which is stored energy, it had to come from somewhere. The only place it could have come from was food intake. That's the only place that we're taking in energy, right? But here's the very important but. It doesn't mean that telling someone to count their calories is the answer. When people stop, right, all the gym bros that are, attack me on TikTok, they stop at the simplistic understanding of like, of course you can't create energy out of nothing. So if people have energy on their body, it came from food. So just tell them to stop eating so much, right? Just if you just calorie count, that's the, sol the solution. So that's what happens if you stop at this very simplistic understanding. But the more important question is why do some people eat more than others, right? Is it because they just have no willpower or is there something else going on? Is there something else that's driving the excess food intake? And do all calories behave in the same way in our bodies? You can probably guess that the answer is, right, no. So we know that our obesogenic environment has led to the growing problem of obesity around the world. But we all live in the same environment. So why do some people's bodies gain a lot of weight in this environment and other people do not? The calories in, calories out diehards want to make this about willpower, right? If you just had more willpower, you wouldn't eat so much and therefore you would lose weight. And therefore, I can feel like morally superior because I have willpower. But that's clearly, okay, anyone who takes that clip could totally just like destroy me on the internet by taking that clip. I was being like facetious, right? Like, obviously, that is not how it works. The reality is, is that our feeding behavior is a whole lot more complicated than just willpower. I moderated a talk a while back for a very well-known geneticist from the UK who has published a ton of research in obesity. His name's Dr. Eric Yeo. And he said, when I study the genetics of obesity, what I'm really studying is the genetics of overeating. Overeating drives obesity, but overeating is not about willpower and it's not a character issue. In fact, our food intake and tendency to overeat is very strongly influenced by our genetics and our physiology and our psychology. So for example, 
The most common single gene mutation associated with obesity is called MC4R deficiency. Children with MC4R deficiency have been found to eat three times more than their siblings. The medical term for this is hyperphagia, or abnormally increased appetite. The drive to eat in these children comes from the hypothalamus. It has nothing to do with the willpower of the child. And this is just one example. There are hundreds of genes that have been identified in obesity research, and most of them are CNS, so central nervous system, genes. And it's variations in these genes that will determine where you fall on the normal spectrum of body weight and fat mass. The personal responsibility opportunity here is that our lifestyle choices will determine where we fall within the spectrum of what is possible for each of us as individuals based on our genetic makeup, right? That's where personal ownership and choice comes in because otherwise it would just be like, well, it's just my genetics. There's nothing I can do about it. And there's just no hope in that message, right? But that's not how it works. To quote Dr. Yo, genes are like a hand of poker. You can win with a bad hand in poker. It's just more difficult. Now you don't get to choose the hand you are dealt, but you do get to choose how you play them. And he went on to say, genes give a bracket of possibility. You can move up and down that bracket with lifestyle choices. That is the message I want to hone in on here, is that we're not aiming for everyone to have a BMI of like 20, right? Or 21 or whatever, you know, you you think you should be. We're not aiming for everyone to be thin as though that that's better. We know that that's not the case. We're looking at how can we optimize your health, right? How can you optimize your health within what is possible for you? What is your best weight within your bracket of what is realistically possible for your genetics? And then what are the tools to help you achieve that best weight? That's the reason it's so important to understand all of this, because if we can take the blame and shame away and stop making this about personal failure, then we can open ourselves up to having real solutions. Now, the reason this is such a delicate topic is because many people would think that when I say that overeating is playing a role, that I am blaming you for your weight issues if you you have weight issues, right? And this could not be further from the truth. Overeating is not your fault, just as obesity is not a person's fault. But if we want to address obesity holistically, we need to address our eating behaviors, okay? So there's three ways to address overeating. I'm going to start with the most extreme. The most extreme is bariatric surgery, also called metabolic surgery. And metabolic surgery is a procedure that is going to affect our hunger hormones and our satiety hormones that communicate with the brain so that less food is taken in. And it also improves some of the other hormones in the body that allow for weight loss. So Bariatric surgery will address overeating. It's not just because of restriction. A lot of people think it's just because you have a smaller stomach and so you just can't eat as much. Like that would be torture, right? If your hunger was still high, but you had you couldn't eat, you would just starve and feel so hungry all the time, which would be terrible. So it's not just that. You have a smaller stomach, yes, but the signaling to your brain is also reduced. So you are less hungry. So you have less desire for food. So that's the first way to address overeating. The second way to address overeating is with medications, Okay. Medications like anti-obesity medications affect your hypothalamus and reward brain to decrease the desire for food, decrease appetite. So you will eat less and you will lose weight. 
These medications tend to be very effective for the first six to eight months. And then people often will complain that the medications don't feel like they're working anymore. And if you stop the medications, the weight regain, like weight regain happens, right? Because these medications are only working as long as you're using them. So they can be an effective tool. I've done an entire podcast on Ozempic, which was one of the options. They are not the be all and end all. And many people either don't want to or can't afford to be on medication forever. And people who rely on medications solely without also addressing the behavioral and the psychological component of eating will lose a little bit of weight, but they are often disappointed by the results. That's just what I've seen quite frequently. And oftentimes we see people put on Ozempic for type 2 diabetes, for example, and they're just told it's a diabetes medication and they don't lose weight. And then they start hearing how it's like this amazing weight loss drug and they're wondering why they haven't lost weight. By far, the best results I've seen in my practice is when people combine the effective behavioral and the cognitive treatments with medical treatment. So this brings me to the third option for addressing overeating. And this is the part that I'm so passionate about empowering women to get their own control here. Because I do not believe in just giving people medication and then leaving it at that. And this is where I diverge a little bit from the obesity medicine community. My observation is that it's really moving towards just more and more medication and take the medication and just live your life, right? Just take the medication and move on with your life without empowering people, without addressing why are we overeating because we're, you know, sad? Why are we eating when we're bored? Why are we eating out of celebration all the time, right? If we don't address that, yes, for a while we can mask that with medication. And then when that medication starts wearing off, the answer would be, well, then take another medication and take another medication. Then we develop polypharmacy, which is where we went with type 2 diabetes. And it just goes against my entire philosophy of caring for people to stack more and more medications without first empowering people to truly take ownership of their lives and to truly make sustainable change because it is possible. And I'm not going to believe that it is impossible for people to change. It just, you know, I've, I've seen it. There's lots of evidence for it. If you look at large randomized control trials that say lifestyle, lifestyle treatment doesn't work, it's because they don't have good interventions, right? Just telling people to count their calories and, you know, here's a list of 200 calorie snacks. Like those are terrible interventions. And so we will just continue to prove that lifestyle interventions don't work because we're just giving people a poor intervention. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I need to rein myself in. Okay. So lifestyle treatment, coming back to my topic, does not mean diet and exercise. It doesn't mean, hey, eat a healthier diet. And you know what? Can you work on exercising more? Like the guidelines say you should exercise 150 minutes per week. So can you do that? That is not an intervention. Everyone already knows that, right? The healthy diet and the exercise is the outcome that we want to achieve for everyone, regardless of your body weight. That's, that's just like optimal, healthy lifestyle. But the how is the intervention. The treatment part needs to be not educating on the what, but addressing the how. Everyone already knows they should eat healthy and exercise. How do we achieve that? How do we achieve that when we don't feel like it? How do we achieve that when we're stressed? How do we achieve that when we're telling ourselves, like, what's the point in doing this? The weight's not, not even going down. The scale's not moving. This is my particular area of interest and expertise. I help women get to the root of why they're not following through, why they're using food to mask their emotions, why they're overeating mindlessly every night, okay? That's what I am particularly passionate about because we can make changes here. So let's jump into some really practical lifestyle changes that can help prevent overeating. 
I like to teach my clients that overeating is caused by a combination of three things. The first is overhunger. The second is overdesire. And the third is emotional eating. And if you can break it down really simply and just address each of these, you'll be able to figure out why you're overeating and what to do about it. So number one, let's start with overhunger. This is the easiest one to address. The most common causes I see for women who struggle with like being hungry all the time is one, they're not getting enough protein in their diet and two, they're skipping meals during the day. So if your diet is primarily simple carbs, for example, you wake up, you eat a bagel for breakfast with jam on it. Maybe you have sugar in your coffee and then snack time, you're having a muffin. And then for lunch, you're having a sandwich. Your body is highly dependent on getting a fix of glucose for fuel. If you have minimal protein and healthy fat to regulate blood sugar and your satiety hormones, you'll just be riding this blood sugar wave all day long, going up and down and getting hangry eating more sugar, getting your quick fix, and then an hour or two later getting hungry again. And you just kind of cycle like that, right? Energy crash, you eat, energy goes up, then you're hangry again, energy crash, you eat. So if you're someone who's hungry every one to two hours, you likely need to eat more protein, right? And that should be your focus. That's an easy, easy intervention, right? It just takes a little bit of planning. If you're someone who's overly hungry at night, it's most likely because you're not getting balanced meals during the day. And this can be because you don't plan well, you know, you have a wishful thinking strategy of like, oh, I'll just find something at lunchtime, but you don't bring lunches with you to work. Or maybe you're restricting during the day because you have overeating the night before. So your head's like, oh, I'll just reduce my calories by like not eating so much today. Or you're just like not prioritizing it because you believe that you're just too busy at work. All of this will drive over hunger at night. So Overhunger is the easiest problem to fix. It takes some planning, but once you start balancing meals and getting enough protein and healthy fat and fiber, the overhunger is very easily solved. And many, many women that we work with, when we just address this intervention of uh, like targeting the overhunger with appropriate nutrition, balanced nutrition, many women get relief in implementing this one dietary change. The second cause of overeating is overdesire. So I break up overdesire into psychological overdesire and physical overdesire. So overdesire is when your brain places an overimportance on highly palatable foods and produces very strong urges and cravings. A high sugar, high trans fat, high refined carb diet is going to create a lot of physiological overdesire because all those foods hijack your reward brain and make your brain desire more and more. So when you eat these foods, your brain gets a hit of dopamine and creates a memory that these foods taste really good. So you'll think about them more, you'll desire them more in the future, and then you'll overeat them. The more you eat, the more you crave, and then it's a cycle, right? But similarly, the less you eat, the less you crave, the cycle works both ways. Then there's over-desire created from what I call our food stories. Another way to think about it, sometimes we'll frame it as like, these are your sexy food thoughts, right? Where you like really romanticize how delicious and amazing foods are. So this is how we think about food and what we tell ourselves about food. And most people don't even pay enough attention to their thoughts to know that this is what's going on. But many women are walking around telling them stories, telling themselves stories like, oh, but it just tastes so good. I never get to eat this. I only get this once a year. I'm starting my diet on Monday, so I'd better go all out, right? Or I'm once I start my diet, I'm not going to get to have this anymore, right? Which creates lots of desire. I'm just such a foodie. I can't control myself around sugar. Food is my friend, right? When we have stories like this, and there's kind of like subconscious stories that we tell ourselves, we create tons and tons of over-desire because our brain places like too much importance on the food. It doesn't tell ourselves the whole story because usually 
if we finish this story out, like we play out the result of this story, it usually is overeating, guilt, shame, bloatedness, like feeling bad about ourselves, low self-esteem, which we then fix with food, right? That's often what happens. But we get really bought into the stories of how wonderful the food is and how important it is that we don't miss out. And this is what we have power to change. These stories or thoughts create our desire for food and trigger actions like overeating. So if any of these thoughts resonate with you, then I just want you to take a moment and ask yourself, okay, what else is true and how do I want to think about food? Because you can change your food stories and you can dial down that desire that you're creating for your brain. The third cause of overeating is using food to avoid feeling negative emotions or to try to create positive ones. So this is emotionally triggered eating. Boredom eating and stress eating are examples of eating to avoid feeling negative emotions. Eating because food just tastes so good, eating to create entertainment in your life, or eating because that's your form of fun to try to, is trying to create positive emotions. Now, not all emotional eating is problematic, but if emotional eating is causing a negative consequence in your life, like you're chronically overeating and that that's leading to weight gain, or you're avoiding dealing with real issues because you're numbing out with food, then you need to learn how to stop it. And I say this all the time to my clients, learning to stop emotional eating has nothing to do with food or diet and everything to do with emotional regulation and distress tolerance skills. And here's the thing, it's not some like intangible thing where you just have to cross your fingers and have willpower that you won't emotionally eat anymore. It's not like that. It's literally a skill set that can be learned so that you unlearn the behavior of emotional eating. Emotional eating is not an identity. It's just a learned behavior and it can be unlearned by adopting some new skills. That's it. So I've done some other podcasts on steps to stop emotional eating, just to give you an intro. So I'm not going to go into all of that today. And inside of best weight, we have a whole module and we do monthly coaching calls specifically to address emotional eating. Cause this is practice, right? It's not something it's like not one and done. It's not something that I teach you like one skill and you've got it. And like, that's it. It's learn like unlearning behaviors over time and doing it and practicing and not always getting it right, but practicing again. And you can be very, like women are very, very successful with this. It's quite, it's really powerful work. All right. So let me summarize. If you want to lose weight, you need to stop overeating, but overeating is not your fault. And it's not a willpower issue. Overeating can be treated with bariatric surgery, with anti-obesity medications, and, or with cognitive and lifestyle interventions. And from a behavioral aspect, overeating is caused by over hunger, over desire, and emotional triggers. I teach all of this way more in depth inside Best Weight. Now, this episode is being released on February 6, 2023, and our February cohort is starting February 7th, Tuesday, February 7th, 2023. So listen, it is time to take action. If you've been listening to my podcast and you're like humming and hawing about joining, I'm just going to give it to you straight. There is no point in delaying. The longer that you leave this, the longer you struggle. And I want to tell you, you are deserving of putting your weight and your food struggles behind you. You are deserving of freeing up all of that mental chatter to think about more important things than the scale and calories. You are deserving of thriving in your life. And that is what the women inside of Best Weight experience. So it is not too late. Go to www.sashahighmd.com slash bestweight. Sign up today. We are starting tomorrow. Let's go. All right. Remember to honor your body today. Talk to you again next week. Bye. 
thanks for joining me today. If you enjoyed listening to the High on Life podcast, please take a moment to subscribe, share, and review it on Apple Podcasts.